0: Hello again, everyone, moms and dads, boys and girls, you are in the chatter box. (laughs) Colleen, this is unique. It is. It's going to take a uh, CPA during tax season. This is episode number 72, which was being recorded on Monday, January 9th, before all kinds of demons shook loose. So now we're recording on Monday January 13th, St. Valentine's Eve, as I understand.
1: Episode 72, and last week uh, we were at episode 77 or something. We were
0: down to uh, 76. 76,
1: so So out of order.
0: we're doing the uh, shuffle of episodes, only because we're obsessive-compulsive. And in the house is Father John Lovell. Thank you you for having me. Good to have you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: In the
0: name of the Father, Father and and the Son, Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're doing this for all the listeners that says I'm on the the mobile app, and (laughs) it goes from 71 to 73. (laughs) Well, Here's the placeholder.
1: Yes, yes. So we're happy to get this one done. We
0: are. And good to have you in the house. The last time we tried to do this was uh, long distance in our... Technology was uh, all demonized, Father. It's good I, to have you in the I house. love
2: coming out to Dubuque. I was shocked how much snow you still have, despite the fact of how warm it's been the last couple of days. We, well, we got slammed last week. Yeah. Nine,
1: Almost nine and a half inches. Wow. Largest single snowfall in eight years. Wow. And it, I think it's more is coming Thursday, they're saying. Is it really? Did you hear that Thursday? All of ours small. is
2: melted. So uh-huh. There's a line right about O'Hare. Everything north of there is... Just got dumped on everything south of there, just a little bit. Well, we
0: hold the record for the uh, for the most ten inches of flurries, is uh, what we
1: have. Yes, ten inches of flurries, <laughs> heavy flurries.
0: So it's been a while. It was two thousand twenty two when you were last on the show. Yes, yeah, so
2: so long ago.
0: Lots of things going on. I think one of the big things we we had to bring people up. And they probably heard it on your show. Well, let's do that first. The show is the big thing. We're carrying it on Saturday mornings at 10? I think you're carrying it at 11. 11 o'clock?
2: <laughs> See, I should know that.
1: <laughs> I'm looking for the calendar. or the- My
2: producer, Joseph Gallagher, right now is rolling his eyes. So yeah. every week he's like, I have to go and call Tom and call Angela, make sure we have the show on at the right time. <laughs> yeah,
0: we got it. You're right. It's at 11 o'clock Saturday morning, Hope in the Desert which was the theme of last year's conference over in Beloit. But let's talk about the new podcast that we're airing.
2: We were asked not only by you, but by Angela Tomlinson, who is the uh, managing director of WSFI in Chicago, to do a radio show. She wanted me to do an hour every day. Mm -hmm. Sure she did. I was down in the south suburbs of Chicago, And going up to Libertyville every day, for those that are listening and those that know the geography know, that would be a grueling commute to do every day. And um, we thought about it, prayed on it, and decided that uh, it would be best for me to do a weekly show and that the uh, coalition would invest in a studio at the new house that we have. And we've done that. We were able to get an excellent producer, Joseph Gallagher. I'm hoping... uh, good guy by the end of the week he will also be named full-time as our communication director nice. That that is uh, in the works and um he brought along an excellent editor named jp severini we're on uh i want to say show number six or seven we recorded uh saturday and then finished the introduction this morning and still having to get all the technology because i have an apple computer and Apple computers. You always have to buy things in order to uh, play play well with Windows mm-hmm. and and such. But mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to doing video. We're only audio right now, but uh, next week we should be live with video as well.
1: Video, Tom.
2: Yes, it's no, common. Not
1: for us. For father level video. Yeah. Not for us. No, you no, don't think
2: so. No.
0: It might happen.
1: No. No. No video for us. <laughs> I mean, look at who the The subject.
0: The secretary will disavow any knowledge of
2: your actions. Well, Colleen, I mean, what it comes down to is that Tom is going to have to put the tuxedo on if you go video. He does have one. I know he does. So (laughs) he'll be wearing it at our second annual conference where he's the. Give us the date of that again. Give us the date of that. We don't quite have a title yet. We may never have a title, but I guess Finding Hope in the Desert 2.0. Uh, will be June 23rd and 24th at the Hilton Rosemont. Uh, not to be confused with the Hilton O'Hare, but they're about five minutes away from each other, and there is a shuttle running every half hour between the hotel and the airport. Highly recommend that uh, Dubuquer's come out in force. Uh, it's only a three-hour drive. We got an excellent deal for rooms, excellent uh, Prices for tickets for what we're offering. We have about 16 speakers. Uh, Abby Johnson, Dr. Janet Smith, Dr. Peter Kosnevsky, John Henry Weston is our keynote, Father Altman, myself, and several others. David Gray coming back. David Gray is coming back. We're flying him in from Germany. Unbelievable. Uh, I always uh, take pride in the fact that uh, along the Mississippi there were two great... Uh, Thomistic uh, Communication Centers, Aquinas Communications in Dubuque and in St. Louis or Belleville, the um, St. Thomas uh, Communications, which was David Gray, still is, but now mm-hmm. he's in Germany.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can Go ahead. I enjoyed
2: meeting his uh, acquaintance last year. Go ahead, Kylie.
0: No, I,
1: I'm just amazed at the level of speakers that you're going to have present. I mean, you just you just rattled off that list like it was nothing. But these are some big hitters in Catholic circles. Uh, You know, John Henry Weston, you mentioned he's doing a keynote. Is that what you said? He is
2: the keynote Saturday nights. um, But, I mean, some others that I I don't want to call them sleepers, but maybe a lot of Catholics are not aware of.
1: But they may not know the name John Henry Weston, but he runs LifeSite News. He founded LifeSite News with um, Stephen, I'm going to not remember his last name but you know if you go to life site news.com john henry weston pops up so you may not know the name but that's who he is he runs life news one of the top best news um websites out there catholic news world news he's based in canada so canadian news um so some of these some of these guys are really top notch you got brian mccall from catholic family news
2: brian mccall is probably one of the greatest gentlemen i've ever met yeah and that's saying a lot but we also have the likes of michael hitchborn who runs the lepanto institute I've been begging, Tom, to get uh, Michael Hichborn out here for one of the banquets. That would be great. I think it would be great. I think the Lepanto Institute... I think
0: we'll have that conversation in June and see yeah. what his 2024 looks like. Yeah, be but a good
1: idea.
2: I, I can tell you right now, though, he probably runs the most important apostolate in the United States, and, after helping the poor.
1: And what does the Lepanto Institute do? Show the corruption
2: within the church and where people's money, their collection money, is going, and uh, it's not all going to great places, sad to say. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know, for those who were listening um, earlier today on the Father McTague show, he had um, Michael Hichborn on of um, the Lepanto Institute and they were talking about, was it the NWEA, the Northwest right. Educational Association for Catholic Teachers and Schools? Yeah, yeah. Michael Hichborn, top-notch. So I'm looking at your lineup of speakers and I'm just, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a ama- Any one of those would be enough reason to go.
2: Well, and we're trying to combine it with because it's also the um, first, it's second anniversary of the coalition, first anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And somebody asked me, How good was the uh, conference last year? I said, It was so good, Roe versus Wade was overturned.
1: Wasn't it announced at your conference? It
2: was. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski announced it. It was quite interesting. I was on the floor and I walked over to Tom Oglesby, RMC. And I said, Tom, go tell Doctor Peter Kwasniewski, who was in mid-speech, to announce that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Tom said, Right now. I said, Right now. And uh, it was probably one of the most heartwarming scenes of the whole conference. In fact, I think we need to get that up, uh, just that part of his talk back up, just so people know what what are we going to overturn now? What what is going to happen? Now with the next one. It, so
1: Yeah, it seemed like, because I watched the video, and you walked up to Dr. Peter Kwasniewski um, and whispered in his ear, and he kind of said something, and then he made the announcement, and the whole room stood up and applauded.
0: Well, uh, you, if you listen to the, the uh, audio track on the video, it's interesting. So, Father, I, I, was, I was off stage. I was stage left uh, on the floor. And Father came over. We anticipated that the Supreme Court was viewing it, but we couldn't tell if it was a rumor or social media went crazy. And, um, you know, because earlier that hour we had said, we think that the court is going to make an announcement. And somebody, did you lead a Hail Mary, Father? A short, uh, you know, an anticipation of it that hour. Well, anyway... uh, (coughs) Doctor Kwasniewski goes up on stage. I introduced him, and I'm off on on stage left, and Father comes up to me and whispers in my ear, "They've done it. Rose overturned. Tell Kwasniewski to make the announcement." And he was just getting wound up on stage. He was, if you've listened to him, he was, he was moving, and I said to Father, "I said you." Right now, and he says right now, and so I walk up the six steps to the stage, and Kwasniewski can see me out of the side of his his uh, his peripheral vision, and he's wondering what's going on. I can make <coughs> eye contact with him, and I get up to him and I and I touch his elbow so as not to alarm him. I said, Rose been overturned. Make the announcement," and he says, "You want." me to make the announcement, and I said, (laughs) yes, you, Mm -hmm. and he did, and the place went up for grabs.
2: It did, and then we allowed uh, him to finish his talk, which was excellent. Um, Tom uh, told me, he says, I love Dr. Peter when he speaks, but uh, I always need an aspirin and uh, a glass of bourbon afterwards, and it's true because he's very much an academic, but then we had our scola come up and lead everyone in the Salve Regina. Oh, beautiful! Which was, which was very nice.
1: Beautiful. I think that's going to be one of those events where people say, "Where were you when Roe was overturned? When you heard the news?" Exactly. It's going to be one of those shattering. I events. think so.
0: It's it's that. It's nine eleven. It's Kennedy's assassination. It's uh, King's King's assassination. It's it's one of those point in time mm-hmm. where were you and mm-hmm. what were you doing and um, mm-hmm. i know i'll never forget it
2: well all those examples that you gave from history colleen and i are just not old enough to uh, be alive when those. <laughs> we happen. just only but, read about them, right yeah.
1: yeah we just only read about them.
0: well surely you remember <laughs> the hindenburg
2: oh of course yes
1: <laughs> you were on that flight weren't you huh?
0: <laughs> i was the flagman. Mm-hmm. land here whoops <laughs> Oh, it's a curse, Father. Wherever I go, I'm the oldest guy in the room.
2: Yes. <laughs> well, you can
0: have
1: some sympathy. <laughs> here. Well,
2: if it if it helps you at all, while that physically might be sh- uh, sh- uh, that physically might be so, uh, ontologically I'm older than you. So there.
0: What in dog years, or what are you saying?
2: No, by by ordination, I'm an elder. Oh, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. All right, so the date is is uh, June, the 23rd and 24th. I think those are Thursday, Friday?
2: No, that is Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday and we always try to do it on the Feast of St. John the Baptist. It's going to be a little hard in a few years when he's in the middle of the week. But Friday is the Vigil of St. John the Baptist, and then the Feast Day is then, and after Our Lady, St. John the Baptist is our primary patron, along with St. Joseph, Terror of Demons um and Saint Athanasius
0: there we go over in Chicago we'll have more information on that as we as we get in there so that's hope in the desert too we talked about hope in the desert the podcast which uh, we're getting some good traction on that so what do we have episode five or six we're at I believe it's six yes it's that we're it's doing coming in here and you can hear that we've got that on our uh, mobile app yes I didn't ask permission I just put it up there
2: no we want it up there so we 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 need to grow the audience that's for sure
0: got about five minutes left uh four minutes left before we uh, hit break number one father good news for everybody that's been asking uh, because in in 2022 you made the announcement you were looking for some property you had uh, 60 80 acres which did not happen but What's the latest update?
2: So for those in the Dubuque area, if you're kind of wondering why we did not go with the Lord's Friary in Cedar Lake, Indiana, 61 acres, former Franciscan Friary, we did our due diligence. We did an extensive um, evaluation of the property. We brought inspectors in, and the inspections just showed that there would have been just too much work that needed to be put in. The property was for sale for $2.1 million, which even in Indiana a very red state, was, we thought, pretty generous. So we, we did due diligence because we couldn't understand why 61 acres really in the suburbs was going mm. for so low. And they were not budging on the price, $2.1 million. And they, want, they wanted us to close as quickly as we got the contract signed. And so we said, no, we're going to do our inspections. And it was discovered that um, a variety of things, whether it was – The well was poisoned. The septic was leaking. They had buried gas tanks that were leaking. We were told at least in a 50-feet perimeter, we would have had to have uh, dig up two to three feet of the topsoil and just remove it. It was just poisoned. Wow. Um, The water table was too high, so we could build no buildings with a basement. Um, And while it was very beautiful, it would have taken so much money to get it up to snuff, we decided to pass And so we started to look for another property and it didn't have to be in Indiana, but our parameters were preferably a red state, preferably near a major airport so that we could get priests in and out. And we found a house that's only about two years old. It was on a farm and the farmhouse about two, three years ago, the original one, at least as far as I know, burned down and the owner's built this one. It's about four or five bedrooms and uh, in Northwest Indiana, and we're keeping the location private simply because we want it to be a safe house. We're hoping maybe in a few years to find a property similar to lords that we can have our headquarters in that is public for people to know but right now we're just we're just thinking of the priests and priests that need to get away either on retreat whether they need short-term or long-term housing they will have it and uh we've just moved in and uh, it's a beautiful piece of property um if i took anyone from iowa and transported them like on star trek
1: mm-hmm. there
2: and they looked out the window they would still think that they were in iowa because you know once once you hit uh, ohio you have to go into western nebraska before the view really changes
0: well we're going to beam you up in a minute here father we're at the end of segment one of the of the um, lost episode 72 of the chatter <laughs> we'll be right back after these announcements On FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. We're in the studios of FM 98.3 KCRD. Thanks to all of you and your generous donations. I do want to thank everybody. Mm -hmm. We had a tremendous 2022, and and, uh, we need to keep that momentum going. In two thousand twenty-three, so don't hesitate. Click on kcrd-fm.org or go to the mobile app, and you can you can donate right online. It is very much appreciated. And this is the lost episode number seventy-two. We finally got it on track, and we had to uh, we had to entice Father Lovell to come directly to Dubuque, bribe him with uh, dinner
1: mm, at the Morocco
0: on the eve on on Saint Valentine's Day.
2: On the eve of, yes. But I always like to remind everyone that they celebrate St. Valentine's Day, who was a celibate priest who died for the sanctity of marriage, similar to John the Baptist. Exactly.
0: So I have two dates tonight, Saunders and Father Lovell.
2: Nice. There you go.
0: What else on the property over in... um, In Indiana. That's, uh, from what I've seen, all of the photos and all of the information you've shared with me, it looks like a tremendous location.
2: No, and uh, Tom, I know you have a uh, trailer. We hope uh, you and your better half can come down to visit soon, maybe wait until after Easter as I uh, become a vegan during uh, Lent. But um, we are looking for an altar. And uh, for those that uh, have subscribed to our email, um our executive director david avignone who does an excellent job is raising money so that we can have an altar first temporarily in the basement it's a finished basement but we have an area picked out to uh, celebrate mass not just for myself but for any of the priests that come and then we have a 19th century barn more than likely we're not going to be able to save it but we're hoping to use some of the timbers to build a small little chapel uh, for the priests, for how about a
0: barn-sized chapel?
2: That might happen. You never know. So, well, we certainly have the room for it. You know what those timbers are going to look like inside? They're, you know,
0: two by fours mm-hmm. are going to be six, two by sixes, eight by eights. I mean, yeah. th- those are.
2: Oh, the, the 19th century nails that are poking out right. of everywhere is great. We have a Kwanzaa hut on the property, too.
1: Okay, what's a Kwanza hut? So
2: it, it almost looks like a, a mini airplane hangar Okay. Uh, that they stored uh, farm equipment in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that Kwanzaa huts have been turned into chapels, and they kind of put a facade mm-hmm. on it. I didn't know there were any Kwanzaas in Indiana. There you go. Yeah, there is. So, but, um,
1: so because you never know who's listening what kind of altar are you looking for
2: well it would be a high altar for the traditional mass so we often get asked why do we defend the traditional mass and i always say this since traditionus custodius came out which only came out about three weeks after the coalition was founded was that an attack on the mass is an attack on the priesthood you have to defend both and it's part of our heritage and i'm saying that again so everybody
0: understands that's That's deep. Say that again.
2: An attack on the mass is an attack on the priesthood, plain and simple. And I'm very happy to be associated, and the entire coalition is, with KCRD, because I know that uh, all of you are also uh, great supporters of the Dubuque Latin Mass Society. And uh, we have to realize that when we drive around, like I drove today through Galena, and then through to Dubuque to get here to the KCRD studios, you see how great Dubuque was 60, 70 years ago. And it's still a beautiful town. The Little Rome. The Little mm-hmm. Rome. The Little Rome. And uh, that needs to be restored. It, need, it doesn't need to be updated. It doesn't need to be changed. It needs to be restored. And we have to see those great convents that are now standing empty filled again. Yeah, we sure do. And, and we we have to realize the importance of the faith that was given from our fathers, whether it was from Archbishop Loris, whether it was from any of the great uh, saints that traverse this area, including Father Mazzucchelli, is that the importance of traditional Catholicism must be preserved. And I hate even saying traditional Catholicism because it's redundant. You cannot be Catholic without being traditional. We're a traditional-based church, and we should be proud of that, not ashamed. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for us to focus on that.
0: Colleen, what was the the, uh, quote? The final battle will be over Mm -hmm. marriage Mm -hmm. and the family.
1: Yep, Sister Lucy from Mm -hmm. Fatima has... Said that, w- that was what the Blessed Mother told her. That and the where do vocations come from? The family.
0: You know, we keep praying in the uh, intercessions. And I'm not I'm not here to downplay this at all. Pray for vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. This is a mantra that's been going on our entire adult life. Mm-hmm. Yay?
1: Yep. yep.
0: I think we've missed the point. And in the bellowing ox, we're going to put an ad. By, by the way, the next bellowing ox, we just got today the... Uh, Printed copy. Yeah, we have the early edition, but we have the printed copy. There's a copy there. Did you get one, Colleen?
1: I did. You handed me one. It's um, awesome.
0: Well, we're going to put an ad in here. The vocation shortage is not to the priesthood and the religious life. This is my opinion, Father, and it should be yours. The vocation crisis is not a dearth of vocations to the priesthood or the religious life. The vocation crisis is to holy matrimony.
1: I buy that? The no, vo-
2: the, the, the crisis is in the family. that's there's no doubt of that. So v- priests come from the family.
1: yep.
0: Brothers and sisters and nuns come from the family. exactly. Mm-hmm. When Catholics divorce, at the same rate as the general population, when they abort, contracept at the same rate, as when when there is no discernible difference between Catholics in society and the Gentiles Mm -hmm. in society, the vocation crisis is not with the priesthood. The vocation crisis... Is in our homes. It's holy matrimony, not marriage. Holy matrimony, Father. I'm going to put you on the spot. Break down the concept of matrimony and and its etymology and and the whole sacramental piece. I'm put. I, we didn't rehearse this. I'm we
1: didn't.
0: Take us to school.
2: In, in one sense, at least chronologically, it is the first sacrament. Now. Before we have all the trolls attack me saying that it wasn't a sacrament before Christ, we have to realize that Adam and Eve was the first marriage. The covenant of Abraham with God was matrimonial. And that we have to realize that it was so important to Jewish society that the idea of celibacy in Judaism was unheard of. And so it was a radical thing to hear that Mary was going to remain a virgin. And as we just celebrated the Feast of Our Lady of Lords, and are approaching ever rapidly the Annunciation, when she says to the angel Gabriel, me, mm-hmm. and I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> me, because she thought, that she was going to be living a celibate life, that Joseph was to be her guardian, to protect her while she gave herself completely to the Lord. It was something that was very new, very radical in Jewish society. It was so important that before Moses, before the covenant of of Sinai, every firstborn male was the priest of the family. After the covenant, it was given to the tribe of Levi. Right. But Jesus kind of restores that as he's the firstborn of Mary, and the priesthood of Jesus Christ will last forever to the point where in heaven, you're not married. No. But priests are still priests.
0: Pull out more, go deeper on the concept of uh, the etymology of matrimony, which is the root of mater, mother, to the concept to become married and, and make a mother of the bride.
2: To make a mother of the bride, and that's where we get the word. So, so mater is Latin for mother, and that's where we get uh, matrimony, basically uniting uh, in one flesh the union. So somebody asks me, what is a human being? It is when when a man and a woman come together. And I'm not talking about simply in a sexual way. I'm talking about as a family. That to truly be human is when you do that. And that every single person that is baptized is called to be a mother or a father. Whether they're called to celibacy. Whether they're called to religious life. I mean, there's a reason why we called Mother Teresa Mother why we called Mother Angelica mother. Oh, right. You know, is that that, that our first why vocation... Why we called you father. Yeah, There's our first vocation is to be a mother and to be a father. It's just a different way of doing it. And it's not necessarily saying that one vocation is better than another, but what it is saying is that when we're talking about matrimony, all right, is that it is that coming together of a husband and wife to form that family, okay, and to see within that the seeds, not just of the church, because uh, John Paul II talked greatly about the family being the domestic church, mm-hmm. but yeah. to go even beyond that, the family is the root of civilization, the root of society, okay? It is at the very heart of what makes, in, on a local level, for those listening in Dubuque, what makes Dubuque Dubuque. It's not the government, all right, it's not the politicians, all right, it's not the laws, it's the family that it has to be at the center of everything that we do. So, while we're on that soapbox,
0: what say you about the Federal Bureau of Investigation <laughs> <laughs> as they come on down after faithful Catholics who are, are entering into Admittedly, a, a difficult road. I mean, marriage isn't easy. Well, nothing is easy, but uh, here, here they are, and they've now been investigated by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Father, what do you, what do you make of that? That's news in the last seven or ten days.
2: It's not surprising. Um, sadly, we've seen over the last ten years just absolute corruption in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I might get my door knocked in. Uh, for saying that but it's true we've seen that time and time again whether it comes to the Clinton meaning Hillary investigation and they gave her a pass um, how they treated President Trump uh, why should we be surprised that they're focusing in on traditional Catholics if somebody was to ask me do you think that uh, the bishops might be behind this I would say why not they're, they're they're asking the FBI to get rid of what they consider to be enemies which are traditional Catholics
1: well that's an interesting point because ha- have any of the bishops spoken out about this news flash about I the haven't bishops? seen anything Has on that any which, Bishop it's um... said anything
2: well is it surprising when we were talking earlier about Roe versus Wade sure, we, we had yeah. a couple of bishops come out with good statements but we also had a lot of bishops either stay silent or come out with well we have to remember the life of the mother or you know they make these very neutral bland statements
0: what do you make of the uh, the, the point of view the the, the mentality that says uh, the clergy are going to stand down in the public square and let this be the battle of the laity
2: archbishop fulton j sheen said as a reminder to the laity, it's not going to be the bishops, it's not going to be the priests, it's not going to be the religious that bring about the change in the church. It's going to be the laity. And the Coalition for Canceled Priests is first and foremost a lay-led sure, organization. Right, right. And people have to realize that you just can't expect, oh, well, we have a good priest, he'll take care of everything. That's not how it works. It is the laity's job to go out and evangelize to be the true missionaries it is the lady's vocation i said job first but i'll say vocation now to go out and proclaim jesus christ there's a reason why the priest says ite misa est at the end of it is finished well go you are sent yeah Is a better translation. What do, you a make the, what
0: do you make of the laity? And I hear this, Colleen. I know you and I run into this all of the time. They say, "When is when is the bishop going to do this?" Or when? How come the cardinals the, or the priests? And I get that to a degree, but get over it. Isn't it the laity's job to uh, pick up the gauntlet and stand in the breach?
2: Well, if we're gonna, if we're going to let the family be the domestic church, it has to be. You know, it, it, it really is. I mean, let the, let the priest be at the altar. There's a reason why we have, and really up until Second Vatican Council, why you had a divide. It wasn't a divide to keep people out. It was a divide to show where the vocations in the church are. So if you went to your parish in the 1950s, you would notice there was an altar rail. And who were the only ones that were allowed in the sanctuary? The priests and the ministers. And the ministers being the deacon, the subdeacon, mm-hmm. and also the acolytes, or what we like to call back then the altar boys, which were usually, not always, but usually young men thinking about the priesthood. Then you had the altar rail, which was not necessarily a divide, it was an extension of the altar. And beyond that, in the nave, you had the laity. And churches, for the most part, were in the shape of a cross, at least Latin churches. Right. And it, it showed. The head and the body, and it showed the importance of what the lady have to do. And what we have now is, we talk about active participation all the time, and everybody thinks active participation means being a lector, being an extraordinary minister, not a eucharistic minister, an extraordinary minister. Right. And we we fail to realize that no active participation is take what you receive at mass and go out and bring it to everyone that you meet. And so I had. A housewarming. We had two housewarmings, Friday and Saturday, at the new house. The Saturday one turned into the twenty thirty something crowd, what I like to call the millennials and the zoomers. Okay, mm-hmm. so I had the boomers on Friday and I had the zoomers on Saturday. It's Generation X. I'm just right there in the middle. And uh, you know, I I told all of them that are younger. I says, "You want to see great change in the church? Well, you have to bring it about. You." raising your families they're now in their late 20s early 30s and uh, they're starting to have kids We had, it was a very noisy house with the kids running around toddlers but it's just to say to them is like look don't expect us to do this the canceled priest we're going to do what we can but it's really if you want to bring about change in the church you have to do it you have to stand up and fight for it
1: well and i think that's a, a good reminder to everyone is we can't control what the bishops do. We can't control what the priests do. We can't control what the cardinals do. We can only control what we can Bingo. do. Bingo. So it really comes down to what, well, I need to stop complaining about others and what they're not doing and say, what can I do?
0: Got to believe that. Exactly. Father John Lovell, the founder of the Canceled Priest Coalition, is in the house, and we'll be back with Segment 3 of The Lost, Episode 72. <laughs> On on the Chatter Podcast here on KCRD. We are back in the Chatterbox. Which is a uh, an ethereal zone.
1: Yeah, I wonder what people think the studio looks like. Wonder I bet what? they don't think it looks like what it is.
0: I hope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think most people are surprised. When hey, I got to tell the a studio. story,
0: Father, and I told Colleen earlier, but honest to God, this is the truth. So about three weeks ago, we got a call on the voicemail from a woman who called Birmingham, Alabama, which is EWTN, wanted to know. She's just outside of Dubuque beyond the terrestrial signal coverage of our of our FM ninety eight point three KCRD. So she called a, and they said the nearest EWTN said the nearest radio station is Dubuque, Iowa. It's KCRD. We know these guys, they carry EWTN, which we do. She can't get it. So she's calling and she's getting our voicemail because that's how we're set up we're we're busy we're volunteers and we can't answer the phones immediately but we get back to everybody within 24 hours and she's leaving voicemail and she's leaving voicemail and she's leaving voicemail so i finally so i call her back but then and, and she leaves these voicemails call me back between 1 and 3 on wednesday cuz i'm busy now this woman we think is in her 80s nice woman we think she calls up says hi i'm First name, and then she spells her last name so we don't get confused who, who she is. Anyway, there's going on. It's about six phone calls. Anyway, I tracked her down and we sent her back issues of The Bellowing Ox, of which you're a quarterly contributing editor. You're in this issue of The Bellowing Ox. Way in the
2: there. back, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, how do you fire a priest? <laughs> So yeah, you're in in there, way in the back. It's 32 pages, Father. You got to pick it. You you were you usurped by a bishop. All right. You talked about you talked about ordination earlier. The bishop outranks you. He went on page. I'll one. let
2: you make it up to me, Tom. Do not worry. Do not worry, <laughs> Colleen. You with me?
0: We I'm can with we you. can push him for a bishop. Yep. Anyway, back to back to Susan here. She's she, she's up here, and uh, long story short she calls me on saturday while i'm headed downtown cuz i sent her back issues of the bellowing ox and then i sent her another thank you card with my business card with my direct cell phone number because she was getting the the, the studio voicemail so now she calls me frequently she calls me she look she <laughs> she says tom i've got a plan and my son is coming over here soon, and I'm going to tell him that I want him to sell this property and move me to East Dubuque, Illinois, because then I can get your radio signal.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs>
0: I'm just driving down the road, both hands on the wheel, and I'm thinking...
1: I love this woman. And so
0: I say to her, Susan, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she says, Mr. Oglesby, are you a married man? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, for 40 years I am. She says, well, I sure hope you're not some gigolo coming on to an old woman. (laughs) I said, "It's it's a figure of speech. And she says, well, I'm still seriously considering moving to East Dubuque just to hear your radio station.
2: Well, Do you have a story that can top that, Father? Well, I no, it's just I could say this, is that KCRD could always get uh, what uh, what we call Chicago the big 89 has. Oh, uh, An baby. antenna that's so big that at night you can hear it in Maryland. You I'd know, love so. to wow. have that here. Yeah. I don't
0: know that any of us could afford the electric bill.
2: No. I, and I don't know if all of Iowa has an antenna that big, but, yeah. No,
0: I don't think anybody's got 89 is WLS, 50,000. When I was a kid, this is... I know before you, it was the nation's rock radio. Yeah. Bob Surratt and and uh, uh, Larry Lujak. And
2: Larry Lujak, who is the mentor of Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. So, oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: And little, little Tommy Edwards. And,
2: yes. And, uh, yeah. Do, do we have a, a a quick story I could tell? Go for it. So Rush told this. I heard it from him maybe a year before he died. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Um, he thought he made it when the big 89 picked his show up. This is hmm. probably in the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, he was telling this story about how, uh, women have to stop farting while driving <laughs> that, uh, they're causing accidents. This is a
0: priest talking.
2: They're causing accidents. This is, I'm quoting Rush Limbaugh. So it's clearly okay for the radio. Uh, they are causing accidents. It's something that men do not do in the car. <laughs> men rarely do it. And women need to stop farting. Well, the news director at 890 WLS pulls the show. Stop it. They, they go to blank air. Wow. Oh, because during he, the show? During the show, because he thinks this is completely impro- uh, inappropriate. Well, Rush wasn't saying the F-A-R-T word. He was saying an old word that I think comes from the French, F-A-R-D, farting, which it means to apply makeup. And so when he said that they need to stop farting in the car because they're causing accidents, he was completely right. (laughs)
1: Well, that's a good story.
0: Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I farted was, while driving. I, yes. was,
0: I was. No, I've never done that. I've never done that. <laughs> Father John Lovell in the house. He's with a canceled priest. I want to remind everybody about the June event over in um, north of O'Hare. It's at Rome's, Rosemont, the 23rd and 4th of, of, uh, of June. And I pulled out my calendar. That's a Friday and Saturday. You don't believe the uh, the lineup. You pulled up the website, I couldn't Colleen, believe and, it. I had to reboot what the a computer. Lineup. Jesse Romero, who is in Dubuque mm-hmm. on March 15th. 15th. You're mm-hmm. going to be back in the house yep. in March in about a month. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, Father James Altman, Father John Lovell. Well, we get him all the time. Dr. Janet Smith, John Henry Weston. Brian, Who's our keynote? Keynote. Brian McCall. What's his background?
2: Uh, he, he is an attorney. Son, who's a priest, missionary down in Portugal, and he is editor-in-chief of Catholic Family News.
0: Doug Barry will be in the house, Father Scott Duvall, Kennedy Hall, the Canuck.
2: Yep, the Canuck. Well, two Canucks with John Henry Weston as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right.
0: But Kennedy's got a good way of saying, it's a boat.
2: A boot, yeah. A
0: boot. This, uh, Michael Hitchborn's coming down, Liz Jour, and David Gray from, um, well, from St. Louis by way of... Germany. Yes, Let's and over there for five years. Yeah,
2: and uh, we do have a few more. Uh, one that uh, we just announced, Abby Johnson, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, is very important. So uh, please get your tickets. Tickets are going fast. We're about twenty-five percent capacity, and we've only begun advertising. Mm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, February first, we were at twenty-five percent capacity, so we we can only hold five hundred and uh, tickets are going fast. It's in a great location. Everybody's like, well, I don't want to go to Chicago because I might get shot. It's not Chicago. It's Rosemont, and uh, Tom Oglesby is very familiar with Rosemont. It is a very safe yeah,
0: town. good place. It's up near the airport. You're uh, 20 miles away from the loop, so easy access, easy in, easy out by train, by, by automobile, and uh, by air. Exactly. You got it. And this is important. This is important. Speaking of important, Father, what is going on with Mel Gibson? Did you catch that story?
2: Yes, I did. And Give uh, us some
0: background, because I don't know that everybody's got this. Colleen, did I you catch not, any of it? No, this is all so, new to this me. This is Colleen. So, is, uh, it,
1: is,
2: it is being reported, and we've been fielding a lot of questions on this this past weekend, that Mel Gibson who has a chapel in Malibu,
0: California,
2: that uh, he brought in, supposedly, a retired bishop to ordain or conditionally ordain canceled priests. Now, some are reporting... wait Wait a minute, wait a minute, Father.
0: Once ordained, always ordained.
2: Well, I think that some are believing that they're calling into question the validity of the novus Ordo ordination whoa but i want to reiterate that this is supposed from the news outlet who were named nameless they um they didn't really give a lot of hard facts um and so we've been fielding a lot of questions because it was we
0: being the camp the the coalition coalition. for
2: canceled priests look we're not the only group in town that helps canceled priests we know it But, uh, you know, anytime that something's coming up indirectly, we sometimes have to field questions. Now, I do want to say this, is that there's terms that are being bandied about. So we have ordination, we have conditional ordination. Never heard that. And (laughs) then we have, and I'll explain that, and then we have a term that's being used by some of the media called reordination. Now, that's a term, in my opinion, I'll have to double check with my canonist and my theologian, that's a term that's not found In canon law or the theology of St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, there is such a thing as conditional ordination, and I'll explain that. And I'll explain it in the way of baptism. So, before the Second Vatican Council, it was the proper duty of the church, if any Anglican in England or Wales converted, to conditionally or conditionally baptize them, meaning, That, in Latin, of course, they would say, if you are not baptized, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we get that, we get
0: that. And uh,
2: we have, you know, some great saints, such as St. John Henry Newman, who did that, and happily. And Paul VI decided to abolish that, I think, prematurely, The, the idea that they should be Conditionally baptized, that we should accept that if you, if anyone says, even if you're not a Catholic, you pour water thrice over the head and say, "I baptize you in the name of the Father and of matter, the Son and the Holy Ghost." Matter and form, Ghost. water yeah. and, and form. But it's not only matter and form; it's intention. But the problem is, is that what we've discovered now, especially with a lot of Protestant uh, denominations, is that they're not using the Trinitarian formula for baptism. For baptism, mm. they're saying we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and well, the not, Holy it's Ghost. it's not limited to the Protestants. There were uh, some priests up in, in... And I'm going to get to that in a moment. And elsewhere, mm-hmm. Colleen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But you also have Protestants who are just baptizing in the name of Jesus or baptizing in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier. All of this is invalid. And it you bring up an excellent point that the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, under Francis... Uh, now they're called the dicastery of the doctrine of faith i when somebody tells a downgrade them, by the way i don't know if it's a downgrade but in latin congregation dicastery it's pretty much the same thing i mean there, it was a mm. dicastery and now they're just not calling it a congregation okay but uh they made it clear that if you were baptized with the words we instead of i the pronoun mm-hmm. that it was invalid what are your pronouns
0: <laughs> That's a good question. I've been waiting for that for a week.
2: Yeah, I know. But uh, I'm going to tell you right now is that what we have here is uh, priests that were not priests, were not even Catholic or Christian, who had to actually receive all the sacraments. Not again, because they didn't actually receive them the first time. Right. And so, so, beginning
0: with baptism, which is entry baptism, into the church, entry into the by church by way of they had, sacramental life in the church. Then
2: they had to, then they had to receive first confession, first holy communion, confirmation, and that's happened uh, in
0: the Roman Catholic, the Latin Rite. Yeah,
2: and mm-hmm. they they notice this because most, many of them, these young priests, were born in what I call in the age of camcorders, and they're able to view their. Uh, baptism and listen, and they hear that the priests. But that's a were severe
0: implication in that not only. So, if they witnessed anybody's marriage, if they heard anyone's mm. confession, mm-hmm. if they if they uh, allegedly Colleen, mm-hmm. uh, confected, consecrated the Eucharist,
2: mm-hmm. it was not valid. Mm-hmm. Correct, it wasn't, and uh, they, they had to go back and take a look. Sometimes, even at the marriage records. And the and, baptism records. And well, baptism—you don't have to be a Catholic or well, even a that's Christian true. to that's baptize. True. That's true. But they had to look. They had to go back, especially with the marriages. Now, bear in mind, we have to keep in mind the ministers of marriage in the Latin rite are the husband is, and wife, are, is the, or soon to be husband and wife. Uh, but but they still those could be easily what we call in canon law sanated. But uh, here's the what thing: what did you say? Sanated. So What's that? Cleansed, basically. So basically, the church as in can, sanitary. Yeah synonym so basically the church comes in and basically says a mistake was made here and the authority of the church can come in and fix it sometimes without even the couple knowing it okay and um people have to realize that but to get back to to the supposed ordinations in malibu um a news outlet is claiming that some canceled priests went to be conditionally ordained some ask, why did they do this? Was it because they thought that the Novus Ordo was defective? Possibly. But let me let me ask you something, Tom. If you were ordained by Theodore McCarrick, now that we know everything about him, and we know that it's not just form and matter, but it's also the intention of the ordaining prelate, of the bishop, would you have a qualm, about whether or not you're ordained?
0: You can't determine Mr. McCarrick's intention. You have to assume that his intention was for valid ordination.
2: That is correct. But we could say the same thing about the Anglicans before Vatican II, But the not church Not so,
0: not so that was that was I'm gonna disagree with you on that. Mm-hmm. There was it was uh, who who there wasn't succession there wasn't apostolic succession. That was uh, investigated and understood that all of the bishops... But I'm not
2: talking about Anglican ordination. I'm talking about Anglican baptisms. And we've already determined that... Well,
0: baptism, you, you, just, you just talk to baptism. That's uh, what I pe- mean. Lay people and others yeah. can do that. Yeah. But we're, you're asking about holy orders. That's an entirely other conversation. But
2: but sacraments are sacraments, and all of them need matter, form, and intention. So if I as the minister... But the
0: the, the ministers are not the same in all issues. Baptism and holy matrimony... you know, it's it's the husband and wife in holy matrimony. It's it's any faithful Catholic, but confirmation must be by a bishop unless authorized by a. To correct a, the, to a priest. The, the
2: priest is an extraordinary minister of confirmation last
0: Some, rites with uh, extreme unction. Correct. Last rites needs to but, be. But but
2: here's here's the thing, Tom. It comes down to intention. So if I went through the motions to baptize somebody and even use the correct formula. But I was saying to myself completely, I do not intend to do this. But it's how, do we, how exactly. do we know? How do we know?
1: How do we know? And isn't the default position that that is the intention, to do the sacrament Absolutely. as for the Church? Unless Absolutely. there is some sign that that is not the intention. But
2: that's, that's the post-Vatican II version. What I was explaining is that what we see before Vatican II – the Church, even with the Anglicans, and we can all be in agreement that the Anglicans before Vatican II were using the Trinitarian formula for baptism, Sure, we still said that there might be a slight doubt whether or not that they're valid. And so if there might be a slight doubt, we're going to conditionally do it. That's not because we necessarily think that it was wrong or invalid, but just to cover our bases. So when I see somebody like Theodore McCarrick, who more than likely was a KGB agent, when I see some of the other bishops, some of whom now dead, who were considered to be Satanists. You know, we can call into question whether or not for the intention. So I want to make clear in these last few minutes, these last few you seconds. you got 15 seconds. It's, it's not necessarily a matter of whether the Novus Ordo or the traditional rite of ordination is valid or invalid. It's about the intention, and we need to make that clear, especially to all of our listeners.
0: You're in the chatter, and we need to cut this short. Father, you're coming back in about four weeks. We're going to pick this conversation up.
2: I think we're going to pick it up uh, later tonight, too, at dinner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we can't get all of the listeners in the bus right now. You're listening to The Chatter. This is the Lost episode of 72 with Father John Lovell, Colleen. Let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father.
1: Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the the beginning, beginning, is is now, now, and ever shall be. be, world without without end. Amen.
0: You don't get this kind of radio up and down the dial.
1: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Tune in again next week to The Chatter. We love you.